Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. A kick. It is. Good. 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 To be the man, you gotta beat the man. The 2 1. Swung lane drive left field. One run is in. Here's Kevin Green. This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm Jason Powers. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. Before we get to our episode this week, I want to mention our sponsors. First off, if you want to reach out to us, reach out to us on Twitter at Sports. Let us know how what you think, how we're doing, got any suggestions for us, topics you'd like to see us cover. And now to our sponsors, Titan Home Lending. If you are anywhere in the state of Florida and you need to get financed for a home purchase, for a refinance, for a renovation, reach out to me at Titan Home Lending, area code 205-790-1404. We work with veterans, first responders. We have access to conventional loans, FHA loans, VA loans, jumbo loans, and everything in between. So reach out to us at Titan Home Lending, 205 205- Seven nine zero one four zero four, and let me put you in that home of your dream. Ultimate health plans. If you have a relative or if you are of the age to take advantage of Medicare benefits, reach out to Patrick Highland at area code 813-966-1052 for all of your Medicare needs. Welcome back to the podcast. We appreciate you finding us on the various platforms that you may be uh, searching us on. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and wherever else you might be finding us. We really appreciate it. We've kind of hit a milestone. This is our 75th episode uh, of the podcast. So we pre- again, appreciate you, you, you finding us and checking us out and definitely encourage you to forward this on to your friends and colleagues that might have an interest in sports and like what we're talking about. Tonight, we're going to talk, we have an interesting podcast tonight. First off, I'm going to give you some thoughts on the NFL as we head into the new league year. Free agency is approaching. Uh, A couple of, uh, we've got some salary cap situations and such underway. The NBA All-Star Game is coming up. I'll give you a couple quick thoughts about the NBA regular season and the watchability of the NBA these days. And obviously, we have March Madness is about 10 days away. So uh, lots of basketball-related things coming up. And obviously, there's always football stuff going on throughout the year. And as football has become a -a 12-month-a-year business, there's really no off-season, even when there is an off-season. And then after giving you those thoughts, we're going to have a pretty cool episode. We are going to talk about, I'm going to interview two professional pickleball players. You're saying, what the hell is pickleball? We're going to give you an in-depth breakdown of what pickleball is. It's a cool sport uh, that lots and lots of people are playing these days uh, of all ages. And it's and it's a sport that uh, is really gaining some steam nationally and, uh, and around the world. So we're going, to, we're going to talk to two professional pickleball players about life on, the, on their tour. They have a tour of events and life as a pickleball pro how they got into the sport, kind of the basics of the sport, how to play it. It's a sport that every all of us can play, uh, regardless of your age, regardless of your kind of your physical condition. Everybody's capable of playing, and it's pretty cheap to get involved. So you're going to enjoy our interview with Scott Golden and Zane Navratil, who is an up-and-coming rising star in the pickleball uh, world. So, all right, let's give you a couple of thoughts on... The NFL, the league year is about to begin uh, in about 10 or 12 days. Um, you're Next week, you are going to see a major, uh, lots and lots of players getting released because teams have to get down to the salary cap. Remember, the salary cap number is going to be around somewhere around $180 million. It's down significantly from what the teams thought it was going to be, obviously due to the pandemic. The reven- the amount of revenues generated per year is what helped dictate the salary cap for the next year. So with revenues being down due to no fans in the games, 
the salary cap is gonna is dropping a little bit, which is causing many of these teams to have are gonna have to release players. Lots of good players are gonna be on the market here in the next week or so, uh, heading into free agency. You're gonna see lots and lots of guys who you, who you, we all think that are really really good players that are gonna be available. So, lots several teams are in salary cap uh, held, so to speak. Teams like New Orleans, Pittsburgh, some of those kind of teams have a, are way way over the salary cap. Are going to have to cut a lot of good players just to get to, just to get to zero. So, um, we'll be, again, you will see a lots and lots of good players getting uh, purged, restructured, all that good stuff. JJ Watt, who had been released by the Texans a week or so back, he signed with the Arizona Cardinals this week. That was kind of a surprise. Most people didn't have Arizona as a team of interest for him, but he is heading to the desert. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, year three of, of Kingsbury. Remember, you think, why the Arizona Cardinals? They weren't in the playoffs last year. Remember, every year in the NFL, typically four to five to six new playoff teams emerge from the previous year that weren't in the playoffs the year before. So a team like Arizona, again, this last year, the, my Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, they hadn't been in the playoffs in 13 years. You go out and make some wise free agent signings. You get a guy like Tom Brady, and all of a sudden you're a contender. So the question is, how much does J.J. Watt have left? He, he, he did play all 16 games this year, but he's had some injury issues the last several years. But, again, a good move for the Arizona Cardinals. Um Sounds like they're going to probably have to let Patrick Peterson and Hassan Reddick probably walk as free agents. But again, you fortify that defensive line. You hope year three of Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury on offense makes a big difference. Ben Roethlisberger just redid his deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers to ensure he's going to be back for another year in Pittsburgh. So cut his salary from over $40 million cap hit down to about a $19, $20 million cap hit. He's making about $14 million. So, again, we'll be interested to see how Pittsburgh revamps their roster. They've got some pending free agents that are due. Um, so, it's going to be interesting to see how they go. Need a running back. You got Juju Smith-Schuster's a free agent. You need a running back. You need some offensive line help for sure. So, look for Pittsburgh if they're going to be – they're another team that has to make some decisions salary cap-wise. So, they did. They made. They saved a bun, a ton of money with Roethlisberger restructuring his deal. So we'll see how that goes. So, um, again, you're going to see lots of lots of guys on the market. New Orleans is another team to look out for that has to make some major moves, salary cap wise. Still haven't heard from Drew Brees what his situation is, but uh, an interesting guy to look out for from a free agent's perspective is Jameis Winston. Will a team go after Jameis, a team maybe like the Patriots who need a quarterback, a team maybe like Denver who might be in the quarterback market? Will a team like that make an offer on Jameis to be their starting quarterback or will Jameis re-sign with New Orleans assuming Drew Brees retires with an opportunity to be the starter in New Orleans? So that's a guy to look out for. Uh, the Patriots have a bunch of money to spend. So again, look for the Patriots to be aggressive. Signing guys, especially with all these guys that are going to get cut. Um, so, again, look for a, a, a Patriot, uh, major moves out of the Patriots free agency-wise. Kyle Van Noy got released by the Dolphins. He's kind of an interesting guy that uh, you could maybe see go back to New England. Um, he was a former Patriot, had success there. So maybe look for, look out for a guy like him to go back to New England. So, Will be a very a very active week on the transaction wire in the NFL next week. All right, NBA All Star Game in Atlanta this weekend. Are you interested in the All Star Game? I'm sure as hell not. I to me the NBA regular season games are pretty much unwatchable to me. I can't watch these games until probably the last couple of weeks before the regular season ends. These I mean these these games are just so up and down, high scoring. Nothing wrong with high scoring, but the, the the effort level a lot of the time in these games are just not very good. Um, to me, I think I, I'll start to watch the NBA probably the last eight or ten games of the regular season as these playoff positionings get uh, solidified a little bit. <clears throat> um, but I just have a very, very tough time watching these, in, <clears throat> these NBA games. 
There's only probably a handful of matchups that are even worthwhile watching. Um, but, uh, you know, I'll watch the NBA as, as we get closer to the playoffs and all that stuff. So NBA All-Star Game in Atlanta, again, they're having the game only because t- television, the television contracts, TNT, need to have the game and the NBA doesn't want to have to write TNT a check for the, not having the game. Players are not interested in having the game. You're not going to see, you know, a lot of the players are complained about having to go to Atlanta, tra- more traveling, all that kind of stuff this weekend. The only thing I do like about the All-Star game is they've compacted all the events into one day. So your three-point shootout is going to be before the game. You're going to have the game. And then at halftime, you're going to have the dunk contest. So at least that's going to get spread out all within one day instead of it being a two- or three-day affair. Um, but not going to be a lot of interest, I don't think, in the All-Star game this 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 coming up Sunday in Atlanta. So, um, again, they're primarily doing it for television only because the NBA doesn't want to have to write TNT a check uh, for not having the All-Star game. So, uh, I don't think you'll see a ton of enthusiasm by the players during the game. Uh, Durant and LeBron picked the teams uh, yesterday, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes and all that stuff. So, all right, March Madness. Let's transition to March Madness. That's about eight or nine days away from Selection Sunday. Next week, you're going to see all the tournaments. All your conference tournaments are going to be next week of all of your big conferences. So, again, you have some uh, teams that are on the bubble. Duke, Michigan State, uh, North Carolina, potentially, Indiana. So, you got some heavyweight teams that are seriously on the bubble. Syracuse is another team. Um, So, again, next week will be critical wrapping up the regular season and going into conference play of which of these teams can make a little run in their conference tournament to get off the bubble. Um, Again, Duke is a a team to to watch for sure, Syracuse. Um, But again, be interesting to see how it goes on Selection Sunday. Again, one of my favorite days of the year is is Selection Sunday. That couple of hour period with CBS's coverage, ESPN's coverage of the bracket announcements. I always love to watch that stuff to see the matchups, see what what regions teams are in and all that stuff, potential Sweet 16 matchups, things like that. So I'll still be watching March Madness. Um, and remember, the tournament does not begin until Friday, not Thursday. Remember, the first round is starting on Friday, Saturday. The play-in games are going to be Wednesday, Thursday. So it'll be interesting to see. And remember, the entire tournament is going to be in the state of Indiana. Uh, at various sites at Bloomington and Purdue, Indianapolis, various sites in Indiana. So there you have it. Again, one more comment on the on the uh, in college basketball. D- uh, Doug McDermott, head coach Creighton, has been suspended for making some comments, some very uh, insensitive comments to his team at halftime of a game, post game, re- regarding a plant, the plantation, and all that stuff. I mean, I just I'm just shocked. How can these coaches and these guys continue to make these kind of mistakes uh, with their with their comments, talking about going being on a plantation and all that stuff? Creighton finally suspended him. They allowed him to coach another game, which I didn't understand that. Uh, they allowed him to coach a game before they suspended him, so they suspend him. It will be interesting to see what happens to McDermott. He may not re- he may not coach another game this year. Um, and he may not be back as the Creighton coach. It wouldn't surprise me. He does, a uh, report came out that he offered his resignation if they wanted to accept it. They haven't done that yet, but don't be surprised that McDermott ends up being replaced at Creighton due to those comments. And again, just comments that are just totally uh, unwarranted, unnecessary, and just not have, provide no positive anything. So shame on Doug McDermott. Um, he did apologize and, has, and has, has been pretty contrite, but still, for you to make that kind of mistake as a, as a leader of men and black men and African Americans and all that is just unacceptable. So, uh, I don't, I wouldn't expect McDermott to keep his job in the long term, but we'll see. Okay, all right, we are going to. You're going to get ready to listen to. Zane Navratil and Scott Golden, my my pickleball pros. We're gonna they're gonna give you a great breakdown of the sport, of with their careers, how they got into it, how you can get into it. Uh, it's a great little sport to play. I've played several times. It's very very fun. It's kind of a uh, reduced size version of tennis. If you if you if you like to play tennis, 
Uh, it's a great activity sport to get out and about, get some exercise. So enjoy the interview with Scott Golden and Zane Navratil. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports podcast. We have a treat for you this week. We're going to kind of go a little off the radar. Uh, we're going to talk, it's sports related, but we're going to talk about a sport called pickleball. So a lot of you guys have probably heard of it, maybe not played it before. So we've, I've got two friends of mine, professional pickleball players that are going to join us for the podcast. We're going to do just an in-depth uh, breakdown of the sport, their careers, how they got into the sport, all the good stuff that goes into pickleball. For those of you that are that are just uh, you know new to the podcast, we like to talk about all kinds of different sporting events, not just your traditional football, baseball, basketball stuff. So we're trying to give you a little a little off the radar uh, breakdown of a, of a pretty cool sport. And I want to bring in Scott Golden, who's a professional pickleball player, as well as Zane Navratil. He's also a professional uh, on the tour as well. So we're going to talk to them about they're uh getting into the sport and all that welcome to the podcast gentlemen how you doing i'm great this is uh great night to talk about pickleball go ahead zane yeah hey i can't complain so thanks thanks a lot for having us i'm excited to be here yeah chatting about pickleball what else would i rather do that's it man all right zane where are you based out of so uh, i live in a western suburb of milwaukee called brookfield okay all right i'm familiar with milwaukee a little bit scott i know you, you're you're in south florida right boca boca raton i started in the heartbeat of pickleball which is naples florida yeah and then uh in june of 2020 i moved over to boca raton for some better teaching opportunities awesome all right scott i'm gonna start with you how I, Scott and I have a little background before pickleball. Scott and I used to live in Birmingham together and Scott played me and Scott played a lot of flag football together in the last 10, 12 years or so. So I've known Scott a long time and talk to me, Scott, how did you decide four or five years ago to say, I'm going to, I'm going to transition from what I'm doing in Birmingham to I'm going to become a professional pickleball player. How did all that, how did that story kind of come about? Yeah, this is especially cool for me, Jason, because you and I do have that background through flag football, and that was something I was very passionate about, something that I really loved and enjoyed doing. Uh, a lot of people may not realize, but I was married for eight years from 2008 to 2016, and during that whole time I was married, I played flag football on Sunday afternoons and even played sometimes three times a week. I was yep. very, very into flag football. And this and, first of all, let me tell everybody, this guy was a hell of a rusher. For those of you that play flag football, <laughs> this guy was unbelievable as a rusher, man. And he was a great receiver too, but unbelievable rusher on defense. Yeah, I really enjoyed disrupting uh, your flow as a quarterback, Jason. <laughs> but got, uh, yeah, that. go ahead. I got you a few times, but you got me a bunch too. Boy, I tell you what, we went back and forth. For anybody that doesn't realize, Jason was a phenomenal quarterback in flag football, played for many years, and, and a lot of you guys know Jason. He ran a, a, a big-time flag football league for many, many years and uh, always enjoyed competing against Jason. And uh, it's such a small world because I never realized that my journey would take me all the way back full circle to meeting you down in Tampa yep. where you moved to and I moved into Florida as well. And so what a cool story. But, uh, but anyway, going back to – that time frame, um, I, I was still really into flag football. We went down to nationals in January of 2016. And I was down there for flag football, but all I was thinking about was playing pickleball. And I researched places to play. And um, that was where, kind of the start of it. Where did, you learn, where did you learn about pickleball? In Birmingham? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, let me, I guess, back up just a little further from that. Um, October of 2016, I went through a divorce. Uh, I was looking for some some new stuff to get into, and I, I actually stumbled on pickleball. I was I was going to the park, believe it or not, just to hit some tennis balls with a, a, a girlfriend of mine at the time. And uh, little did I know, I, I met this guy there that night that had a what's called a pickleball tutor machine, and I heard the unique sound that pickleball makes when the ball hits the paddle. Yeah. And being the, the nosy person that I am, I said, hey you know, what are you doing over 
there. And he, instead of just telling me, oh, I'm playing pickleball or I'm practicing, he actually invited me over and put a paddle in my hand that night. It was, I'll never forget. It was on a Thursday night. And I probably played 46 hours out of the last, the next 48 hours that I was alive. <laughs> and uh, I never looked back. I mean, Zane can tell you the addiction is real. And since that time, I, it's been about four and a half years. And I thought I might get burned out from it, but I, I have not gotten burned out. I, it just keeps getting better and better. Zane, how about you? I know you have a kind of a tennis background a little bit, Zane. How did you kind of transition from tennis to pickleball? Sure. Yeah. So I, uh, I first found pickleball in middle school and I was a good tennis player at that point. Um, in Wisconsin, I ended up winning three high school state championships and I went and played college at a D3 school in, in Wisconsin. Um, so I was, I was a tennis player. I found it in middle school, never really gave it the time of day until my senior year of high school, where uh, my dad actually took me out to a senior center um, where he was playing. And I thought it was going to be a joke because I was a good tennis player and he was playing against these guys that were in their 60s and 70s. But um, when I got my butt kicked by these guys as a state champion tennis player that was a third of their age, uh, that, uh, that really pissed me off and I, uh, and I just, I wanted to, I, I didn't even really like the game, but I was just so competitive that I wanted to beat these guys. So I started to try and learn it the right way, because if you try to play pickleball like tennis, uh, you'll only get so far. There's a lot of nuances to the game that prevent pickleball from being played like tennis. So I played, I started to like it a little bit more. I played tennis in college and I picked up the paddles probably once a month um, outside of tennis. Uh, I actually went into uh, the, the real world as an auditor for Deloitte and Touche for uh, almost a year, but uh, I've been playing tournaments and I've been doing better and better. And, um, you know, I, I ended up quitting my job as an auditor in July of 2020 and um, playing and teaching pickleball full time. So, and then I know a couple of years ago when I really started to play some tournaments, man was Scott at everything. A couple of years ago, Scott was playing what, 50 plus tournaments per year. You, you had, you had one a week at least. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it was surprising I could even have a girlfriend at that time because I was gone every weekend playing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I was, well, I was, there's, every a, weekend there's a I was lot somewhere. of reasons I'm surprised you're. <laughs> Sorry, Jason, <laughs> I gotta talk, I gotta talk crap to Scott, my friend Scott here for a sec, but there's a lot of reasons <laughs> I'm surprised you've got a girlfriend, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to, I, I had to blast Scott a little bit. So <laughs> I love it. And you guys, Feel free to rip me at any point too. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> we will try. All right, real quick. So for those the, the, the audience that doesn't know kind of what pickleball is, it's kind of a small scale version of tennis to some degree. The rules, some nuanced rules and stuff. Scott, why don't you give the audience just a quick overview of the game and just a general, you know, how it's played. And, you know, Zane was mentioned an older crowd. The thought is pickleball is an older crowd game for older seniors, but it's really not. I mean, there's people from 15 years old to 80 years old at play. Yeah, I, I challenge anybody that says this is an old person sport to come play against Zane Navratil because he will kick your butt <laughs> and, <laughs> and he'll do it with a smile on his face. But um, yeah, this sport is designed for everybody. And just to let you know, I don't have the resume in, in the sports world that Zane does. I don't come from a tennis or a racket sport background, um, but I did play baseball and football growing up. And then I was, like I said, heavily into fight football. So it, it really is for everybody. Uh, I, I feel like it takes somebody that's not from a racket sport, maybe a little bit longer to get pretty good at the sport, but you can get there. It, it took me a couple of years to get to the 5.0 level, but once you get there, you, you, you understand, Hey, this is, this is the way the game's played and you can teach yourself anything truly if you want to. So, uh, but going back to the sport itself, uh, I teach a beginner clinic every Monday. And so I'm very familiar with how to explain some of the basic rules and what I'll tell the, the audience listening is there's three rules in place that create an even playing field for anybody so a 12 year old can get on the court with a 80 year old and it'll be relatively even 
in in the way the game is played. Now that you add youth and skill and and some speed, of course it makes a difference. But the three rules are this: the underhand serve, the two bounce rule, and I'll quickly explain that. That means when somebody serves underhand, they serve it cross court to the opponent, and it has to bounce in front of that opponent. That's one bounce. And when they return that ball back over the net, it's got to bounce one more time on the side of the serving team. And that's called the two bounce rule. And it's simple. That is to keep people from serving and then volleying like they do in tennis. Okay. So it keeps the serving team back just a little bit longer. Uh, And then the third rule or the third thing in place, I shouldn't say rule, but the third thing in place that creates an even playing field for, for all the opponents is the non-volley zone. And it's a 14 by 20 area up by the net. And it's very simple. The way I explain this to people that are brand new to the sport, if you think of a no-fly zone with in regards to an airplane, what, what would that mean, Jason, if somebody says, hey, that's a no-fly zone? You can't go in there. You can't go in there unless certain things happen. Correct. So a non-volley zone or a no-volley zone is very simple. It is an area where you cannot hit the ball out of the air. It's, it's not illegal or it's not against the rules to stand in that area. It's only a fault or illegal if you volley or hit the ball out of the air. And that, that's as simple as I can explain it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if you, like I said, for those of you that, if you, if you pull it up on YouTube or something, you'll see that, you'll see that zone in front of the net where the, 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 most of the players will stand behind that line, let the ball bounce, and they'll play their different variety of shots from that spot. But like you said, it's not illegal to be in the, in the box. You just can't volley the ball in the box when you're in the box. All right, Zane, let's talk, let's get to you. Let's get to you. What talk to us about the sport professionally. I know there's a tour. So tell, tell the crowd, the audience about, about the tour, the, the PPA tour. Yeah, well, um, it's actually a somewhat new development. I believe the PPA was founded in 2018, which is the Professional Pickleball Association. Um, and they are, I think, offering about $1.3 million in prize money during 2021. Um, the PPA is, however, only one of the tours. There's also the APP Tour, which is the Association of Pickleball Professionals. Pretty, pretty closely named, but um, they're they're in pretty much direct competition, which I actually think is good for the sport to have two different tours, kind of, you know, survival of the fittest in that regard. But life on tour is, you know, I think there are 16 PPA tournaments this year and about the same number of APP tournaments. Right. So as a professional, there are about 32 and a couple more tournaments that, aren't either of those that, that you could go to are you are you um, real quick are you allowed to play on both tours as a pro um well that's kind of complicated um <laughs> yes and no the ppa the, the ppa came out with these contracts for some of their players right where they'll get appearance fees if they are exclusively playing with the ppa tour gotcha so um, several pro players have signed those contracts. Um, I have not. Okay. Um, so I plan on playing both PPA tournaments and APP tournaments. Okay. So. And so I know, I know uh, you just had a tournament in Tampa this last weekend. So that's where I got to see Scott after a long time. I know you, your next tournament's out in St. George's, Utah for the PPA. Do, do the tournaments – do the two tours have tournaments on the same weekends? So guys have to make a decision or girls, or do they kind of space it out where it's a different tournament on each weekend? Go ahead, Scott. Well, that's a great question. Um, last year in 20, uh, in 2020, the last tournament for the PPA was in Las Vegas. And at the same weekend, APP had previously already committed to that day. Right. Uh, their tournament was in Hilton Head, South Carolina. So, that particular tournament did conflict, but yeah. it's because the, the PPA, because of COVID, had changed the dates to that last right. Las Vegas tournament several right. times. So I, I think, and Zane can, can help me here a little bit as well, I think they try 
to at least be cordial to each other and try not to schedule the same weekend. But inevitably, certain dates are going to conflict. And then they just leave it up to the players to decide. The ones that he's referring to that sign the PPA contracts, the player contracts, obviously they'll be wherever the PPA is at that weekend. But but there's a lot of players like Zane who – who chose not to sign those or were not offered an, enough to make it worth their time. Right. And I think that that comes down to a personal preference because Zane could have easily signed that contract, but he wants the freedom to be able to travel and do, do other tournaments. And so that, that to me comes down to just personal uh, sure. preference with these players. Zane is there, is there, are, are there majors on these, uh, you know, are these events or there's like, like in tennis, there's U S open Wimbledon, Australian. Are there majors on the PPA tour and on the APP tours or are they just all pretty much just normal tournaments? At this point in pickleball, you can pretty much pay your way to become a major. Um, in the past, the majors were considered, there were majors before the APP and the PPA tournaments and those were the U.S. Open, Nationals, um, Tournament of Champions. Okay. And Scott, were there any other ones that, that come to mind? The the fourth unwritten one was the Atlanta Open, which is in okay. obviously Atlanta, Georgia. That one was kind of the, the fourth one that they said might become a major. Yeah. But Zane's correct. It was those three three major events. All right. So I want to talk sure. to you. Bo- I want to I want to talk to you both about a life on the road. Give, give the audience a, you know, if, let's say you had a tournament coming up this weekend. What would your kind of, give me a ballpark, Scott, of your week. How, do you, how does your week go leading into a tournament? Let's say you had to travel to Atlanta, Georgia for a tournament. How would your week go and how do you kind of prepare for a weekend tournament? Absolutely. I don't know what Zane's threshold is, but I have a, a certain amount of hours that if, it, if it's that far, far away, I'll end up flying. So anything over about six hours, I end up flying. If it's six or less, I, I'll sometimes typically drive. Right. Um, now, once I got my contract with uh, Monarch, which is owned by Dick Sporting Goods, I was able to have a little more flexibility to travel uh, a little easier. So I fly most places now. Okay. Um, but I usually typically will leave like on a Wednesday and I'll try to get there uh, a few days early, try to get acclimated. For example, going out to Phoenix, Arizona, uh, it's not easy to just show up the day before and 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 be okay. You want to acclimate and things. So typically, I'll leave like on a Wednesday or a Thursday. Uh, try to play pickup games. I usually try to book a, either a hotel or a host home within you know 10, 15 minutes of the facility. Yeah. And then pretty much it's just playing pickup games and getting acclimated. Trying to partner up with your your partner and and playing those games to get used to each other and comfortable. Um, and then the weekend is busy. You're there pretty much all day long. Yeah. Uh, Zane can tell you if, if you make a deep run into a bracket, you can be there sometimes till eight or nine at night and you're yeah. going to get there at six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning. Right. All right, right. Zane, for you, do you guys have like a little community uh, resource area where you can get pickup games for, with guys like Scott or other guys that you know? How do y'all communicate amongst yourselves to say, okay, hey, we all got to Atlanta or Phoenix Hey, let's go find a court somewhere so we can all get some work in. Sure, that's that's kind of interesting, but um, you know, at the top level, it's a lot of very familiar faces. I mean, if you go look at who's who's at the top, who's tournaments, um, you know, it's the same people after weekend. We all have each other's phone numbers and whatnot. Yeah, and I'd say there's probably, you know somewhere between 20 and 30 people that are at pretty much all of these tournaments and you know, who's going to get there. You just communicate with one another. You kind of have your buddies that. I don't like the word, but almost like your little. Right. Sure. You've got a few people. you'd reach out to get some practice and whatnot so uh i'm gonna give zane's audio is kind of going in and out i'm gonna give zane a little love zane is the number three he's only been a pro since 2020 so less than a year he's already the number three rated singles player number 11 in doubles 
number 11 in mixed doubles. So Zane has had a very, very steady rise up the rankings and, and all that stuff in his young career. So full credit to Zane. What, um, Scott, on each of these tours, is there like a board of directors or a commissioner for each of these tours to kind of regulate things that come up, issues that come up amongst the players? How, how does that work? Sure. So the Professional Pickleball Association, the PPA, is based out of Utah, and they are a family uh, of, of people, a family. Literally, they're related, and they got together. They love pickleball. Yep. So they formed the PPA back, like he said, uh, around 2018, 2019. And they have really deep pockets. And so they decided to kind of go upper end, top uh, resource type of thing. They, they get all the best facilities and they really put on a good showing. Uh, yep. so, that, so that family makes all the decisions for the PPA. Okay. And on the other side with the APP, uh, I, I kind of call them like, it's more like the working class uh, tour. They, they, yep. They're gritty. They, they don't have as deep of pockets, but they work extremely hard to put on a phenomenal tournament each and every time they do it. I think they've done a great job. Yep. And um, I'm not associated directly with either tour. Uh, I do commentary for the PPA, but, yep. um, but I'm allowed to play at both, both events and have had discussions with APP and PPA as well. So um, Ken Herman is the, the one that is the backbone and the one that started, uh, the APP and he's just a great guy. I, all my interactions with Ken have been just, just phenomenal. And he's got a good group of people, a core group of people that help him put on those tournaments. And I just don't think people realize the amount of work that goes into putting on a pickleball tournament. It's, it's, it's a tremendous amount of work that starts months and months and months out. And these guys just, just yep. don't even, I don't think they sleep very much to be completely honest. Jason. Right. I'll give, I mean, I'll give you, I mean, I, I, I was, I went to the tournament this weekend in Tampa and I was not expecting the complexity and the, in the, the professional detail things that I saw there. I mean, there was banners all over the place. They did a great job marketing. You know, my buddy, Andrew Felios, and you were doing commentary. They were doing a broadcast on YouTube as well as with ESPN, a partnership with ESPN3. So they've done a lot of work getting, getting the exposure of the sport out there. And it's just a great job of, of execution of the, of the production. They did a great job with the production. The, you know, you guys had a center court area, which was great. Um, your thoughts, Zane, of, of just kind of the, the presentation at some of these tournaments as far as from a, from a media and, and a branding perspective for the, for the tour? Yeah, um, uh, it's kind of cool that you're impressed by, by, by the, the Tampa tournament because that's, uh, you know, the PPA and APP have been doing a really good job of, of getting very nice venues. And I'd say, you know, as far as venues go, and I mean, I was, I was certainly impressed with it, but that wasn't even one of the, uh, one of the, the higher end venues right. we've, we've been able to play at. So, um, so I think they, they both do a phenomenal job of, of making the player experience and the fan experience very good. And especially now it's, it's tough to even have a, a great atmosphere, um, given the COVID restrictions, right, right. you know, if you've ever this year, I encourage you to head down to the U S open in, in April, who's to say if everything will be normal, but, um, right. That's what's considered, you know, the biggest tournament in pickleball. And it's like, they call it like the, the, the super bowl, party, like the super bowl of pickleball. Yeah. It's a, yeah. They call it a big, a big party, a pickleball party. <laughs> what yeah. so. I know, um, you know, from a, from a brand, people don't, again, re remember folks, each one of these guys are their own branding, their own branding business. They, they get a lot of sponsorships. That's how they have to survive. A lot of times the, the, the money's decent as far as winning, you know, prize money. What's the high end as far as win prize money for one of these big tournaments, guys, if you win a singles tournament or a doubles tournament, what, what, what kind of money can you make on a, on a given weekend? Sure. So the, the money itself is primarily coming from sponsorship. Right. Um, however, if you're, if, if you're the top level player, I believe 
Ben Johns last week, he won, he beat me in the, in the, the finals of the, the singles. He ended up winning $1,700 for that. Okay. And then he won $3,000 for finishing uh, first in doubles. Okay. Um, and then I think he and his partner finished third in men's doubles. Right. So I think he probably came away with um, six or seven thousand, five, six, seven thousand, something like that. Yeah. 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 So not, not a bad weekend. He, yeah, he wins so a lot. So again, you know, guy like Scott, I know, you know, again, you guys survive on your sponsorships and you also, you guys all do some teaching in, in your local town where you live. That's another way to supplement what you're doing. How popular is the, 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 the teaching, the clinics and those kind of things, Scott, the beginner type things that you're doing where you're at in Boca and then Zane, you can talk about Milwaukee. Yeah. I just want to put myself out there and say that I am, I am a 5.0 player, but I am nowhere close to the level that these pros are playing at right now. Yeah. And to give a huge shout out to Zane, this guy, Zane, has come on so strong. I mean, Zane, I remember watching you a couple of years ago and you were fast and you were quick, but you have taken it to a whole different level since going full time. So I just I just want to give you a ton of credit and let you know I'm really proud of you. Yeah. You've worked extremely hard and uh, I know your your ceiling is is very high. So hey, well, um, I appreciate that, Scott. I'm, I'm grinding at it for sure. Absolutely. Hey, every day is better than auditing. So that's <laughs> right, man. That's right. And also I want to point out too, that, you know, Zane kind of gave you some, some numbers on what Ben Johns won this past weekend, but in Phoenix, the, the money was bigger that the, the right. teams won $6,000. Right. And I don't want to say a hundred percent cause I've never looked at Ben Johns contract but a lot of the elite players have matching money contracts. Okay. So if you win 6,000 between two people, you're going to split that three apiece, but then your sponsor is going to match that 3,000. Right. So typically if you are winning at the level that Ben Johns is, he might have multiple contracts that pay matching money. Which is um, Now, if you're signing Ben Johns, you better have pretty good, money flow cash flow because he he wins more than he loses right um but that but i know for me that's why i brought up the fact that i'm nowhere on that level my contract is i have an exceptional contract right so i have a 100 matching contract but i never win right money hardly because i'm playing against guys like zane you know so i got um so yeah if i were winning like ben johns i would be set up (laughs) cool all right we got about 10 minutes left. So I'm going to, I want to do a little, do a little stuff away from the court. Zane, what do you like to do away from the court, man? When you're not playing pickleball and you got a couple days to do nothing. What does Zane like to do with his free time? Um, well, there's, there's definitely a lot of administrative work that is involved with being a professional pickleball player. So I, I can't really remember the last time, probably at some point where I was working, uh, at Deloitte's where I, I really had a couple days to just do whatever, but I'm, in, I'm very invested in my business. I like the social media aspect of things. Yep. I like running my own business. It's a, it's a, um, it's a fun thing on top of a way to, to make money. So if I don't have to do that, I do enjoy, I like hiking. Yep. Um, I like running my dog's Instagram account um, <laughs> at meant to be Murray. How do you like, how do you, so, like, that, how do you like that Milwaukee winter, man? I'm surprised a guy like Hughes up in Milwaukee freezing to death. Well, I do spend a fair amount of time outside of Milwaukee. So All right. All right. Good. <laughs> I do, I do get out of town decent enough for, for tournaments and whatnot. So um, yeah, that, that certainly helps getting out of town. And if I do, I like to go, I really like hiking and uh, doing stuff outdoors and whatnot. So what about you, Scott, away from the court? What do you like to do? Um. You, you know me pretty well. I, I'm a pretty active guy as well. Yeah. I don't like to just sit around. Yeah. Um, I, I like to go bowling. I like to, you know, I like to go out with some friends. A lot of times um, we, the group that you play a lot of pickleball with also just likes to do things outside the pickleball as well. So you usually have a core group and we, we sometimes just go watch a movie or uh, go bowling, just maybe go out to dinner. Uh, but there are days, honestly, where I wake up and um, it might be raining cancel my lessons and things. And I just, I might veg out, just watch Netflix and not do much of anything, but that's pretty rare. All right. Uh, for the, for the, for the amateur player out there that wants to get involved in the sport, 
what is required as far as to get into the sport other than just to paddle, basically? Is that all you really need is to paddle? Obviously, more and more cities are building pickleball-specific courts, which is a great thing. But equipment-wise, what does the amateur brand-new player need to get involved? Yeah, it's, it's extremely low barrier to entry. So yep. I would recommend grabbing paddles from Amazon. Okay. Don't buy the, don't buy your, you know, don't buy your $200 paddle right away. You can get two paddles for $29.99, I think. Right. And it might even come with a couple balls. So right. um, I'd say just grab a paddle and some balls. Go Google when, um, when there's pickleball available in your area. Yep. Uh, for beginners um, and pickleball community is pretty cool in that they it's not like tennis pickleball people love to explain the game to newcomers um, and so if you go there at the right time you will have people fighting over teaching you how to play <laughs> right right and like you said it's 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 very similar to you know, it's not tennis, but there's a lot of similarity. And if you've played tennis at all, you know, the, you got forehand, backhand, volleys and all that stuff. So some similarity there. Scott, from a media perspective, I know you do some broadcasting on the, on the different tournaments throughout the year. Where do you see pickleball going from a media perspective? I can definitely see this being something a year or two down the road that, a you know, an ESPN picks up or an ESPN2 or a NBC Sportsnet, one of those kind of groups picks up where they're covering the tour on a, on a weekly basis. Where do you see it going? Absolutely. I think, I think we're in a really neat time right now in pickleball. I think Zane would agree that it's a, it's a very electric and, and very almost like the wild, wild West right now. There's just so much up for grabs. And uh, from a media standpoint, to be honest, I think it is very close to being on television. I think that if Cornhole can make it on ESPN, and right. two and some other things. I think there's no reason that ESPN won't won't start taking note. Um, I, I think that the the problem right now is typically the people that watch pickleball are people who play pickleball. Right. And so we need a little bit more exposure to the non-pickleball player. Right. So to where they, you know, we do need like an ESPN two situation to come come on board because when somebody's just flipping through the channels, we need them to, to on a Saturday afternoon just go. Wait, hold on. What is this? Right. And, and I think we're getting there. Uh, there there's FTF, which is for the fans. FTF is, is come on board recently and it goes out to millions of homes. If you are, if you have a Roku, it's an actual pickleball channel on the Roku. So we're, we're not very far. I think in the next two to two to three years, right. I see us doing big, big things. And this has been in the works for quite some time. Um, I also think it's going to end up being an Olympic sport at some, at some point down the road. Zane, how, how long do you, are you anticipate doing this professionally? Are you looking to do it to, in your forties? I mean, obviously you can do it. I've, I mean, I was out at the tournament the other night and they, there were guys that looked like they were in their mid to late forties that were kicking ass and taking names. This is a sport you can play to your, you know, 45, 50 years old professionally. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm going to keep playing for as long as I can. Um, and the nice part is, you know, a lot of people kind of reach their athletic peak in their early thirties, probably. And then they taper off and they're pretty, they're pretty downhill by the time that they're 40 plus. Yep. Um, but the nice part about pickleball is there is also a professional senior tour. Right. So, you know, in your forties, that's kind of like your, your weakest spot. And then once you turn 49, because, well, once you turn 50, you can play the senior tour and you can make some, make some money there. So who knows? I'll probably play until I'm in a wheelchair. Yeah. It, was, <laughs> it, it was incredible because at the tournament, I saw, like you said, I saw, like you said, 14, 15 year old kids all the way to people that were in their late sixties, early seventies playing. So there's definitely, you know, an avenue for everybody, regardless of age, you don't have to be in the best physical condition to play the sport with doubles and all that stuff. So it's Scott, it makes it real easy for somebody to get involved that you don't have to have the most money. You don't have to be in the greatest shape. As long as you like to get out on the court, move around a little bit. It's a sport that you can definitely get involved in. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I wanted to give a quick shout out to a couple of my sponsors because yeah. you asked how do people get in? 
Well, I just I happen to be sponsored by two uh, places. One is Dick Sporting Goods. So if if you want to order off of Amazon, that's great. You'll have to have it shipped to. You. But if you want a paddle right then and there, just go into Dick Sporting Goods where you live. Yep. They typically have at this point. There's 850 stores across the U.S., but they typically have a little bit of a, a pickleball section nowadays. Yeah. And then uh, the other thing is download uh, Pickle Play. Pickle Play is an app designed to find pickleball courts where you live. So it makes it really easy because you go buy a paddle, you download that on your Android or your iPhone, and then you can show up at those courts, like Zane said, and people are very friendly in pickleball. They, they, yeah. it's a, it's a recognized thing that new people show up on a regular basis and you can jump right in. You can be a brand new beginner. Um, they, they, now, like, I don't know about Zane, but I teach a lot of beginner clinics yeah. because the sport's exploding so much we're finding a lot of people showing up to these clinics that have never even hit a ball before. And I'm sure, and I'm sure Facebook, most, you can look up a Facebook group in your town and you can probably find some pickleball activity. All right, we're down to about a minute left on our, on our call. So I want to get you out of here on this Zane, give, give the audience where they can find you. If they're interested in sponsorship, all your different social media platforms quickly. Yeah, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter as Zane, Av uh, no Twitter. Sorry. I deleted that so I don't get canceled, but um, <laughs> I am on there as my name, Zane Navratil Pickleball, and that's N-A-V-R-A-T-I-L. All right, Scott, go. Uh, you can find all my social media stuff under Golden Boy Pickleball, Yep. and that's all three different words. It's Facebook, Instagram, um, YouTube channel is all Golden Boy Pickleball. Awesome. Well, fellas, I really appreciate it. Great job, man, explaining the game. Appreciate the time. Good luck uh, on the tour, and we'll talk to you soon, real, real soon, man. I appreciate Zane, Scott, thanks, and good luck, man. Hey, thank you very much, Jason. Awesome. Y'all have a great thanks night. Thanks for having us on. You got it. You're you listening too, to the Powers on Sports Podcast.